Hey everyone, before the podcast starts, I just want to say that my novel, A Breaking Report, is now available on Amazon. If you live internationally, aka not Australia, then you have access to the hardback, the paperback, and the Kindle version. Unfortunately, if you live down under, then it's only the paperback or Kindle due to anti-Australian racism. Thanks, Amazon. Regardless, just search up A Breaking Report on Amazon. That is A Breaking Report. R-A-P-P-O-R-T. I really appreciate the support as it's the culmination of five years of writing and uh, truly a labor of love. All right, let's get on with the podcast. Three, two, one, let's jam. Flaws, those pesky things we try to hide from everyone. So of course, why not record a podcast of fan favorite Georgia where we deep dive into one of my flaws. Am I too condescending? Interesting title, right? While originally trying to come up with a name for this podcast, I toyed with other less abrasive titles such as Am I Too Motivated? Or Can Positives Become Negatives? Topics that we certainly deal with But the problem was that such titles emphasized my strengths just a little too much rather than dealing with the real focus of how my attempts to improve has sort of ingrained a grinded out attitude. And this already begins to complicate the debate. What if I needed to internalize these ideas to complete my novel? Something that I'm really, really proud of. Does that make me a good person? A suffering artist? A martyr who traded their own mental health for the pursuit of greatness? Or does that mean I'm just self-obsessed and egotistical? The Sigma male archetype that the internet routinely makes fun of. Does one actually need to tap into the darker emotions to be successful? How about people like Michael Jordan, who is subsequently celebrated as the greatest basketball player of all time, but also someone who routinely used abuse and intimidation to achieve their goals? Well, what does this say about me? And how does one tiptoe over the tightrope between motivation and condescension? During this conversation, we touch on a defining point, one which we return to multiple times throughout the podcast. And hopefully this will help listeners in this very position. Maybe our flaws are simply corrupted versions of values that we hold dear. Enjoy. Just want to give you a heads up around the 17-18 minute mark, you'll hear some audio being edited, and that's only to protect the identity of the person. So everything else in the podcast is exactly the same. Just beware, those few seconds, the audio can be a little jarring. Georgia. Stanley. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> it's good to be back. So round three, baby. The premise was that you have no idea what this podcast is about. I and I don't. Just, I just called Joe and said, hey, I've got a premise that I think is interesting. You have no idea what it is. Come over and we'll have a chat. He's lying. He came to my house, <laughs> kidnapped me, took me in ball and chain. I'm here. I'm, I'm hungry. I don't have any food. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm scared. But I have to do a podcast and he'll let me free. Mm-hmm. Okay. First question, and I will preface this by, I want you to answer 
as truthfully as possible. Okay. And to the audience, I'm not winking. I'm not giving him a signal to do otherwise. Overall, yeah. Do you think I am a person that generally is more empathetic or it has empathy? Yeah, I'd say so. Okay. All right. That is one of the few times I will be complimenting myself because mo- actually what I want to focus on for this podcast is actually a lot of my more of my flaws and the things which I think people don't talk about as much publicly but I've got like 20 podcasts where it's me like talking academically or me talking about certain ideas that I find really interesting. I think it's also important to talk about things which maybe um, people try to hide because for me, it's interesting like why we have certain strengths and why we have certain flaws. So that is a long preface of saying, even though I think I have an empathetic nature, usually I have an empathetic, empathetic nature. There is something which I realized recently with the pu- with the very close to publication of my book. And that is I think I've been fueling my accomplishments. Oh, I use accomplishments accomplishments in quotes. I, it sounds you know, because the book firstly isn't 100% out yet, but I think I've been fueling that with like negativity Hmm. like this drive this positive drive i think my my passion of writing is a positive thing but it has been fueled by some negativity and what i mean by that is i think there's an element of condescension in my personality so can i throw it to you have Hmm. you noticed and, and be honest um areas where i don't know of, of like that certain trait of mine, like I don't know that that trait of condescension or something. Oh, uh, look, that it's it's an interesting question um, because you know, and I'm not saying this to be the good friend of the podcast, but if that is true, I would say I've got a pretty I've got a blind spot to it because um, I don't know you and I have like a real like non tense relationship. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's really like oh yeah, Stanley's like a cool guy that I yeah. like hanging out with. I think he's a, he's a mad dude. The thing is, you know, the thing is. Because our personalities... So, I haven't experienced it personally. Yeah. You know what I mean? But the thing yeah. is, because our personalities are, are... I think when it comes to things that we really care about, and these are values, not traits. Like, traits I define as, like, you're more extroverted or I'm more extroverted. I'm talking about values as, as in, like, what we really care about and what we want to achieve in, in our life. Things like art, for example. Like, we both really, really care about that. Um, unconditionally care about that. So, because our values are aligned, and you are someone who, like... I would say has dreams and chases after them. I have never mm. shown that side of condescension to you because in many ways, I think one reason we're such good friends is because there's a lot of respect there. Ah, yeah. I see what you're saying. Like that, that condescension is directed at people who tell me if I'm on the right track. Here. Mm. It's like, you find it, it comes out like that feeling towards people who don't, have ambitions they don't have sort of like or a value for the arts or even perhaps more broadly just like something you know that they believe makes life meaningful yeah i 100 percent believe this and i feel that way so i want to talk about what happened when i finally finished writing the project and just for audiences just to give you some context i've been working on this novel for around four and a half to five years 
So it's been a project which I've consistently worked at. And I don't think there was any point that I really lost motivation. For me, the end goal was just so alluring and so... I just chased it so passionately that like, I don't think I ever lost passion for it. And I think, no, I know as soon as I finished it and like the manuscript was done and the book cover was done, there was a sense of relief, obviously, but there was Mm. a sense of pride as well. But there was also a sense of like, to all the people who have no dreams, like you are in the wrong and it sounds like this is what you can do this is what you can achieve and it's not like anyone even doubted me it's not like someone came up to me and said stanley you there is no way you get this published it was more like i was using that archetype as someone who never tries to pursue their dreams Mm. someone who never tries to do anything better and I was using that like as fuel to say that I would not be that person. And I remember as soon as I finished my book, there was this feeling of like, to those people who have no dreams and no passions, like you are, and I really mean this, like, I'm, and I'm not sure if this is a blind spot on my end. Like I'm just too callous and I'm just too mean, but there's a sense of like, you are pathetic. Like, how mm. does one not have passion? And and it's a sense of like, you know, how does one not have passion? And more than that, like, I have followed my passion and I've actually done something with that passion. It's not like I've just written, like, random poems and I've published it on, I don't know, random websites and, and never achieved anything. Or Let's not use the word achieve. Never did anything more than that. But at the same time, I think that's more of a projection of myself. Like, why do I feel that about other people who have actually, you know, abstract other people? Because no one's actually said this to me. Why do I feel that about people who have not said this to me and who are just minding their own lives? Oh, well, that's, look, it's a, it's an interesting one. Um, I mean, I I think you're, you know, you're pretty like self-aware about the mechanics of what's happening um, at like a, at like an intellectual level. Or like, at least there's a part of you that's like aware and, and maybe there's a sense of like disconnect with like lived experience sometimes. Cause I think it's almost like it's easy to get into a pattern because it's established and because it's helpful. It's almost like, um, it's like using the dark armor in Berserk, you know what I mean? Or, uh, <laughs> a more neutral spoiler free reference, you know, you didn't hear that yet, you know? <laughs> Uh, let's say, let's say it's like, it's like being a proverbial bloodline, right? You use your own hit points as life force. It's kind of what like... What did you say? A proverbial... Uh, blood knight. Blood knight. And a blood knight being someone who... Um, That's even a weirdo reference. I'm going to be is honest. It? Okay, true. Okay. Wait, uh, do people know what a blood knight is? Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll explain it. Okay. <laughs> a blood knight is like a game archetype character, right? So someone who uses their own... You know, normally there's like, you have health and you have magic points, you know? And like health is like, all right, you take damage... And you lose health. And if you, um, you know, if you want to cast a spell, you will use your magic points. A blood knight is someone who will cast spells using their own health. So it's sort of like as a way of buffing yourself or strengthening yourself, you're also damaging yourself in a different way in the process. Mm-hmm. And to take that analogy, I think that's very apt, actually. This is something that Nicholas said before. Shout out to Nicholas. 
this is something that he said before, which is, I love the analogy of running a car, but on bad petrol. He said mm, that before in mm, our Vag yeah, podcast. Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's and, a good one. And I think that is actually something that I did, which is that goal of writing a book and not just writing something like really like throwing everything I care behind this book, whether it's like tiny details, book cover, spine design, um, like the names of chapters, like really pouring everything I have, multiple rereads. I think for me, obviously I'm passionate about literature, but as extra fuel, I think I created this imaginary, abstract, lazy person, which then I could direct that anger towards and say like, no, I am better than you. I am more disciplined than you. And unlike you, we both have talent, but I've actually applied it in somewhere. So when I finished the book, there was this sense of like, as I said, relief, but also like, haha. Like condescension. Mm. Okay, well, yeah, look, I mean, yeah, you're pretty spot on about the mechanics of how that works. And I'm like, in the most technical sense, I'd, I'd call it psychodrama. Like quite literally, there's like a theatrical, dramatic thing happening within your psyche, right? And that's the story of, um, you know, uh, a story that sort of supports your values and supports your life path. So like you've sort of chosen, okay, I'm going to make my life meaningful. Well, maybe not even necessarily chosen. It's just, it's found its way to you. You found its way to it. But in, you know, some weird sense, like whatever it may be, this is what makes sense to you. And in doing so, you've found yourself like attracted to this road and going deeper and deeper down the path of the artist, of the, uh, the person with ambition, with a goal to seek. Um, and that has been reinforced with extra like extra stuff, which is I guess sort of the, the the proverbial the wastage, the person who doesn't do that, the person who doesn't have you know sort of like a purpose in their own life, um, a person who, who's who's you know living a, a life that comes across as meaningless. Mm-hmm. And so when I say it's a psychodrama, I mean that's like the the story, that's the theater happening in your mind. Mm-hmm. And when you find yourself condescending to people in the real world, it's not really about them. It's like they just happen to be somebody who fits the bill. You know, you're the, if, if this is a psychodrama, well, you're both the, the, the director, you're the one casting all the actors, and these are simply appropriate actors to involve in your play. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. I, I think that's a, that's a really, really good point. And this is something, whether it's Buddhism or Taoism, a lot of these Eastern philosophies where the idea is to peer inside oneself, I recognize intellectually that this anger, this annoyance I have, is a reflection of myself, which is hmm. why I'm interested in actually peering inside and looking where this anger comes from. It's it's more of a reflection of myself than it is a reflection of anyone else. Yeah. And there's this other quote that you said, which I love, and I think it's really fitting, which is, any negative trait is simply a corruption of a positive trait. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, big believer in that. Big and, believer. Yeah. And I think, for example... If I can, you know, be complimentary to myself, you know, in a podcast where I'm just like ripping myself, I think yeah, at least one, yeah, yeah. <laughs> at least what? at least at least one nice thing, one or two nice things say about yourself. Yeah. I think I am very disciplined. Like for me, there are goals that I pursue, and I do it quite frantically, and I do it 
you know, maybe this is a little off topic, but hopefully this is, I don't know, this is psychodrama. This is me thinking of myself and, but this is something that I feel, you know, when, you know, at my funeral, if I, if, if people could say one thing about me, I hope they say more than he's a nice guy, which I I hope they do say that. But more than that, I hope they say like he was reckless in his pursuit of things he loved. I just Mm. love the Mm. word reckless. (laughs) Reckless. <laughs> yeah, that's like it. just safety loss, huh? It just safety loss. <laughs> Title drop. <laughs> <laughs> he just poured everything. Like to me, like I, I know I'm, I'm, I know I'm preaching to the choir. <laughs> I'm just sitting here. There's no video, but I'm just nodding that. I'm like, bro, yeah, yes, brother, yes, yes, yeah, brother, yeah. I know I'm preaching to the choir, but, but to me, like, like I just. It, it's just so important but but the negative of that the negative of that is like I think I've turned this positive trait of determination and willpower and when I've if we take an RPG uh, example when I've like put a lot of points into that skill tree I think that the negative aspect of that or the consequence of that is I have I have people I know people some people or I have this abstract concept of people who don't do anything and don't pursue their passions and it is just unbelievable to me it, like it, not only on an intellectual it's is it unbelievable mm. I say this to you because like it elicits almost an emotional reaction mm. I'll give mm. you an example this is someone that you don't know I'll, I'll actually mention someone you do know and someone that you don't know right now I'm mentioning someone that you don't he know is, he is full of surprises for me today. <laughs> I love it this is great alright <laughs> okay someone that I that you don't know she um, once told me like she used to sing all the time yeah and now she hates her job she finds herself tired all the time, has no passion, doesn't like the place where she's at, and she can no longer sing, Mm. even though she has a passion. And then she asked, she told me about this situation, and I just said, and this might be cruel, and this is what I'm really trying to get to the bottom of this, is this mindset cruel in the sense that I'm not giving enough space or enough empathy to people who find themselves to be distracted? And... When she said she just couldn't sing, mm. like, just do it. I, I don't care for your excuse. Mm. But is that, is that cruel? Ah, uh, well, that's okay. This is, this is, this is where I have to flip the script on you because I, that question is why you're in this dilemma to begin with. Like the que- okay, because this is duality. Because you know, as you started the podcast with you, know, you are an empathetic guy, and I, I don't, I don't like the term empath. You know, we've had many conversations. I think it's a very corny term mm-hmm. and I'm not going to use it, <laughs> but you are an empathetic person, right? You're quite considerate. You're quite uh, compassionate. Um, but, you know, and I, I, that's probably why this is causing you grief because like, it's, you know, you're like, oh, you know, you like to be compassionate people. You like to extend goodwill towards them. But there's a conflict of interest between that and, um, you know, the situation you're in here where it's like you find yourself unable to be empathetic to a person. And then you're thinking, oh, I, sh- I should be more empathetic. And you're, you know, you're rationally able to realize it. But there's this dissonance between this sort of rational alignment with values and sort of like a personal subjective feeling tone. And look, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not judging you and you shouldn't judge yourself because that judgment of like, okay, oh, I'm not being as compassionate as I should be. 
is going to stop you from being able to align yourself with the compassion in the first place. I'm not saying, okay, just, you know, freely, you know, take free reign and hate away and say, this person's an idiot, you know, sink or swim, bitch, pardon the French. Um, you know, like, you know, you gotta, you gotta go do your, your thing. It's up to you. But you know, like I, I think, I think at the fundamental level, you gotta take a step back and realize, okay, art is something really important to you. Having a meaningful life is something that's very important to you. And I, I'm saying because I, I relate, man. Like I, I love the arts. Life is totally meaningful. Uh, you know, and things that make life meaningful, uh, well, they're meaningful. Therefore, they're great. <laughs> and it's like you can almost make a cult around that concept of of the meaningful life. Um, in a sense, you shouldn't worry too much about seeing the failure in your own virtue, or at least if you do recognize it but you don't want to neurotically obsess about it because that's sort of the meaning of the paradox because at like a, a level of being and this is something i've kind of learned from you know we've talked about vipassana on the podcast before so i'll um wait no we haven't no we haven't we haven't sorry that was a different podcast <laughs> sorry guys sorry <laughs> pardon the lies okay um look okay i'm not gonna go on a big tangent with that i'm just gonna say look Regardless, okay, I learned this out of a Vipassana course. If you know what that is, Google it. <laughs> Vipassana is basically you isolate yourself from society for a few days and you do nothing but meditate. Okay, I should have said that. <laughs> Google it, you idiots. <laughs> Sorry, I should be more compassionate too. No. Look, okay, uh, what, I, what I mean is like, okay, I, I went in this course where it was like, yeah, in, in my meditation, um, you know, similar to what you're saying now, like I had this, I, I had to like let go of a lot of feelings of like disgust towards human weakness which I didn't realize it was like bugging me in the way that it was, but it was this sense of, like you said, of all the, you know, the, you know, quoting, quoting you, quoting Nick's great example about like the, the, the car with the bad fuel, right? It's like you need fuel to run and you've got into the habit of using this system. And in some extent, you don't want to make it more than that. Like just recognize what it is. But if you beat yourself up about it, I, I don't think it's actually productive to getting out of that system. Can I just interrupt you for a sec? I also sure. want to point out that I think using that system of even... Okay, obviously there was my passion for writing, which was fueling me. But more than that, this boogeyman, this abstract person, or the, the lazy person who never does anything with their talent, and I'm different to them. I think it was actually effective. Yeah, hundred percent. That's hundred percent. That's the no, that, irony. That shit works, man. Like it actually yeah, yeah, works. For sure, for it's sure. like negative motivation where you go like, if you don't mm. do this, if you don't get up every day and do a thousand push-ups, you're a failure. Like some people that like they can't take that. And hey, fair enough, no judgment, <laughs> I guess. Uh, but I think some other times it like really works for me when it came to like learning language. And this, I'm not sure if this is good for my mental health. Mm. I'm just going to say, this is what I did. I sat myself down and I said, if you do not learn Chinese, you are a failure. That's honest to God what I said to myself. Is that really cruel? Probably. Did it help me learn much, like very quickly? Yes. So if mm. I, and the thing is, if I apply that to myself, if I, that becomes my worldview that also permeates how I see other people. And I'll give you one example of, of I'm going to bring someone that you do know. Yeah. Um, I won't say the name, 
but I'm pretty sure you know who I'm talking about. The person who I think demonstrated no no passion for life and then uh, I yeah, broke I, up. I, I know, I know where you're going. Yeah, yeah, yeah and then yeah. We, we, the friendship uh, ended. I, know. I remember yeah. one time we were in the car together mm. and I was questioning their life choices and then they turned towards me and they said, Stanley, I'm not like you. I don't have any passions in life to ground myself. And as soon as they said that, I knew 100% that the friendship was done. Like, I knew 100% the friendship was done. Mm. Because I could not respect anyone who actually felt that way. And I have to ask myself, like, is that cruel? Because that's a six-year relationship that I just cut. Because I genuinely could not respect them anymore. Like, genuinely could... I, I couldn't find it in me to respect them. Is that a lack of empathy? And more importantly, does that, those value systems that I hold on so strictly, does it actually end up hurting myself? Hmm. Okay. Well, look, I mean, I'm not going to like say what I, look, what I, what I, I, could, I could repeat what I said before about like, so I should, Being I should just not judge myself. Well, okay, that's only a precursor. I'm not just saying don't judge yourself, let yourself be a jerk to whoever. That's not what I'm saying. But if anything, I lay that as a preamble. And, and I mean, this is kind of, you know, like you said, okay, it's a long-term friendship. But people do grow together and they grow apart. People go on different roads. People live different lives, man. Like, I think it's totally normal that people move in different directions. And if anything, it, it's kind of hard because it sounds like, you know, regardless of the situation with this person, you know, you and that person have moved away. Definitely. But there's also, because you're cognizant of the fact that, oh, you feel like a negativity and an animosity within yourself towards, you know, unambitious and, uh, pe- you know, people, um, it's almost, it's tempting to conflate those as the same issue. Like, here's, here's, here's the weird, the mind screw about this whole thing. You can simultaneously naturally have your friendship with the person kind of expire, but you can also, you know, have this separate issue where you find yourself feeling negativity towards that person or more, you know, perhaps as we said earlier, like those traits uh, within yourself or traits you don't want to see within yourself. Um, And in a sense, those are almost separate things which unify in the material world. They both result in like, okay, you moving away from people. But even if you weren't necessarily, you know, if you didn't have a neurotic kind of fixation on ambition, you would still naturally find yourself wanting to spend your time with certain people and, you know, find, you know, even if you're like a person who's completely free of neurosis, um, hypothetical person, you know, could be like, they, they could, they wouldn't be as bothered by people's company, but they'd have like a natural tendency just for whatever, like their momentum in life is taking them towards to spend their time and their energy with certain people because you have a finite amount of energy, you have a finite amount of time, and even if you are very friendly to a lot of people, you're naturally gonna be closer to some than others. Maybe you wouldn't it wouldn't have resulted in like a split or like an outright I can't be around you if you weren't fixated on this. But at the same time, it wouldn't necessarily mean you'd spend the same amount of time as normal. Perhaps you just drift apart with less animosity, but just more like, I'm sorry, I just don't resonate with where you're at right now, no hard feelings. But even in the face of those hard feelings, and this is why I'm saying the don't judge thing, and as, a, as in don't judge yourself as, a, as sort of like a preamble, 
is because... So don't judge myself judging other people. Yeah, that's the tricky one. Because, you know, you, you think, oh, I'm judging others. And then, oh, you know, judging's bad. But then you're judging yourself, you know what I mean, in some weird meta way. It's like, all right, if you want to dissolve that chain of judgment, you have to let go of judging yourself. Because, I mean, hey, fundamentally, you already know this. You already said this. In your own words, you said, well, you don't want to see yourself be weak, see yourself be a failure. So in the beginning, it's because you're judging yourself that you are judging others. So if you want to stop judging others, you have to stop judging yourself. Um, but you know what? End of the day, that's not so simple. Like, it's not just me, you know, coming up to you and saying, hey, bro, stop judging yourself. What are you doing that for? You, you know, you're not going to, that's not going to just change you overnight. But yeah, because the thing is like yeah. doing anything, any sort of task that you you pursue, if you actually throw your weight behind it, it's not easy to do. Mm. And you often need external stimulus. I'll give you one example. Mm. Now, this person's psychotic. Michael Jordan would make up exam or make up stories that he heard from other people. If you let's just say he was playing another team, he'd make up a story about the other p- player spreading lies about him, and then he would basically annoy himself and anger himself and go out there and destroy them now is that effective if you want to be the best basketball player yes Mm. is it effective if you want to be a balanced human being no so that's the reason i bring this up because i bring this up because it wasn't like on an intellectual level i was like okay that person or this abstract person i'm annoyed by them i don't want to speak to them they just kind of they don't share my values it was more than that and it was a sense of like repulsion that came up out of nowhere after i finished my novel like this sense of like see i'm not like you Mm. and also the reason i bring this up is not because i want to become better friends with that that person who you know that friend that your ex-friend that you know it's more like I want to improve as a better person because that's another value I I hold quite highly. I want to improve as a better person. And more than that, I want to be honest. If I have a flaw, I want to look at it straight in the eye. I don't ah, want to, that dude, that's really cool, man. I, yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't want to like sugarcoat it. And remember what you said on the Vagabond podcast? Uh, Vagabond's a manga, one of the best mangas. Highly recommend it. Ooh, Check boy. it out. One, something that you said, which I just... Probably the quote of the podcast was... <laughs> If you want to be more like Musashi, the main character, you have to hug. Um, wait, what's the name? Um, Marahachi. Ma- Marahachi. There you you go. gotta hug that shit out of him. <laughs> you gotta embrace him. You gotta pull him in. You gotta <laughs> and, and for bring anyone, his head in your chest. You know? For anyone who doesn't know, Marahachi is, is a character who constantly fails and and a lot of time uses deceptive means to try to achieve what he wants, and that really stuck to me. Because I really see this as a reflection of myself. And here's the thing. I want to keep my passion. I want to keep my ambition. But at the same time, because I've been so focused on ambition, I have now this ingrained repulsion towards people who don't show that. But at the same time, I want to keep doing things I love. I want to keep writing. I want to keep traveling. I want to keep doing things. I want to keep pushing myself. Mm. But so are you saying I should just... just accept it because on one hand I'm like yes I should stop judging myself for judging other people but at the same time 
maybe this is the quote unquote empath, and I know that word's super loaded. Empathetic. I should say empathetic. The empathetic side of me coming yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I don't, you know, at the same time, like I don't really want to judge other people for their own values. So I want to keep this ambition, but I noticed that part of the fuel which I've used is not all positive. It's hard to like sift and get rid of that. Yeah, and I get it, dude. It's confronting, man. Like, I, I feel you, bro. Like, I, I, look, I'll, I'll say it again because I think it, it bears repeating. Look, from your own description, you're judging yourself about like, you know, if I don't achieve X, I don't do this, I'm a failure. You're judging yourself. Therefore, you know, that's happening at some level, but you're also, you know, that, that gets externalized onto other people because end of the day, like if you are achieving the thing, oh, well, I didn't become the failure. Well, someone has to be the failure because you've asserted what's good, what's bad, what is victory, what is failure, what is triumph, what is, you know, um, you know, sort of like a, a loss. And I, I think that fundamentally self-judging is the cause of this whole thing. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I feel like what I'm saying, it's, it's too abstract in that sense because it doesn't really mean anything. Like if I say stop judging yourself, what does that physically mean? What does that literally translate to in life? And I would say like, I think... Okay, wait, can I also ask? Sure, it, sure, go for it. Is it worth... I don't have an answer to this, but if I, if I stop pursuing ambition and, this, and my goals so strongly, maybe this is me judging myself, but I don't want to like take a step back. I want to keep doing what I'm doing. And maybe it's possible to keep doing what I'm doing and not judge myself. Like, you know, for example... I just want to play basketball and I don't care if I'm the best basketball player of all time. Like the thing is I care too much about literature and too much about art that I actually do want to be the best writer of all time and, and, and be as good of a write, be as good as a writer as I actually can. It's because I recognize intellectually and only intellectually that this is a double edged sword where I'm kind of stabbing myself as I'm wielding it to like achieve certain things. Hmm. Um, look, I mean, okay, I'll throw in the mix that when it comes to seeing this ego take shape, because that's what this is, right? Yes. It's ego. And, you know, I'm going to say ego in the most, like, clinical sense. It's not like, you know, I'm not saying, oh, because you think highly of yourself, whatever. Like, ego is simply, by definition, self-image, you know? You have established a particular ego, a particular self-image of like who you want to be or what you think is good to be. And in doing so, the ego, like everything else, wants to live. You know, the body wants to live or the stomach, particularly even smaller, the the body wants to live. Therefore, the lungs want to breathe. The stomach wants to eat. You know, the, the muscles want to be used so they don't atrophy. Like each individual component has its own will just by design. You know, um, people want to reproduce. Why do people have libidos and sex drives? Because we want to live. You know what I mean? In the same way, the ego wants to live by keeping itself alive. So it'll use everything in its method. It will use positive forces and say, uh, these are the, the goal conditions. You achieve this and you're, you know, you're going to be a good guy. You're, yep, keep me alive. This is my ego. And at the same time, it'll use negative conditions. Like, okay, this person's bad. Be aware. This is a positive role model. This is a negative one. This is where your consciousness is taking you. You know, like the ego wants to 
take a certain form. The form of, you know, the person with ambition, the person who wants to get the most out of life, who wants to, you know, take it, milk it for all it's worth and live 100%, squeeze all the juices, drink it like a lemon, you know, like with that in mind, that's just the mechanics of what's going on. And that's not even just a you thing. That's like a people thing. Like there's a person right now who's having the opposite dilemma. A person who's Do I very... Know them? No, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm just making this person up. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is a hypothetical person. There's a person out there who's really lazy or maybe they're really anxious and they're really scared to start the big thing. And, and you know what? Maybe they feel kind of like, oh, people like Stanley or anyone who has that sort of ambitious attitude do, they take life too seriously or they, they, they take... They're so full on. They're just too much. You know, there's like tall poppy syndrome. That's a, that's a term for the non-Australians... In the, uh, in the audience, tall, tall poppy syndrome is essentially, you know, oh, the tall poppy, we want to see that one get cut down. Poppies are flower. They're flower. Uh, yeah, I should add that. Yeah. So, the, the, you know, the shorter flowers, the tall poppy get cut down. Or the psychology of crabs in a bucket. If you see a crab, if there's a crabs in a bucket, the one, they can, not even the ones at the top can get out because the ones second from the top will actually pull them back in out of just spite because they don't want to see anyone escape. If I can't escape, you can't escape. There's people out there who have the reverse situation of you now. Like, in a sense, you, you know, you sort of turn your nose up at certain people and, and perhaps these same or some representative of these people may sort of uh, look at you and feel bitterness and resentment towards your situation or towards your approach to life. And they'll find a way to spin that negatively. Um, but end of the day, like, okay, you can look at it at the material level and say, all right, well, well, let's say, okay, if it's both ego, well, at least my ego actually makes me a winner and your ego makes you a loser. Regardless, it's just ego. Um, and because that's the thing, ego is fundamentally a mechanic. Um, and all these, it, the, this is where I'm going to get, I'm going to get weird and spiritual, but it's probably why, <laughs> it's probably what I can do best here. Like, I, I think it's like, that's all horizontal movement. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, okay, I have an ego that makes me a winner or I have an ego that makes me sort of be more comfortable with uh, whatever station in life comes more naturally. Are you basically saying, and you know, let me just throw this out. Everything that yeah. you've said, I've, I've agreed with basically 100%. Are you saying I should stop judging myself and stop measuring myself and stop expecting success or ambition in my life? And if I let go of that, then other people who don't exhibit these traits will also be spared from my condescension. But as I said, what if that means I never write again? What if that means I never produce Ah, again? well, okay. This is, this is where, this is where it gets good because fundamentally, I want to come back to the thing you said that I said, right? That all bad things are good things that have simply been corrupted or they're coming out in sort of like a twist of form. One of like, at the most fundamental level, when it comes to motivations towards desire, what inspires our behavior, the way we operate in the world, it's love, you know? Um, I fundamentally believe that love is the most primary force of how we act. And however, love is corrupted or love can get corrupted quite easily. Like, there's this notion of pure love, you know, like the ancient Greek word for it is uh, agape, which 
people just they use it as love and they use it to refer to like their spouse in modern Greek but in ancient Greek agape was one of the four loves right it, it translated to like that was like essentially godly love or perhaps you can think of if you're Christian the love of Jesus Christ or if you're Buddhist you can think of metta you know loving kindness this compassion this goodwill to all beings um, there's probably other ones I think it's quite you know most religions probably have some sort of idea of this spiritual all-encompassing love now this love gets you know it can appear in limited forms and in a sense you're experiencing a limited form of your own love so you have a love that is limited by the things you don't love there's the things that you love and the things you don't love if you are total totally indiscriminate you know can totally non-demarcated love there would be no hatred for the lazy there would be no or contempt for them but um like what this is is you're kind of being confronted with the limitations to your own love you know and i, I think in saying that that's and that's and because you know you are someone who values being empathetic and being compassionate that's why it's all and you know and just in general just self-improving and like how can i always like develop myself and you know be the best version of myself and i you know i just want to live live the crap out of life right i mean I, I get that. I, I feel that. Man. I'm down for that. Amen. <laughs> right on, man. But, um, you know, I think that on that note, that's where we see this dissonance in love. Like, you think of the things you love, and it also calls to mind things you hate. And you're like, why does my love have to come with hatred? But in the same way, you know, when people will say this, and it almost sounds like a cliche until you've experienced in life where it feels real. In the context of romantic love, people will say, Hey, listen, you gotta let go of her. And if she's yours, she'll come back to you. And that's what I'd say about writing. Or art, or whatever you want to, you know, however you want to understand it. Like, if you are willing to let let her go, and, you know, uh, she comes back to you, then it was always meant to be. And chances are, you'll find that it is. Because right now, even now, you're seeing that apprehension the question you ask, like, what if I, you know, let go of this judgment and I lose my ability to write? That too, or that is this limitation to love that I'm talking about. That's the opposite of love. That's uh, negativity. That's a, a corruption to this love. That's the good thing being twisted by, you know, by, by fear, by negativity, by, you know, whatever you want to call it. Just these sort of, these uh, uh, sort of more sinister emotions that are corrupting your love that are limiting your ability to love wholly and i think in saying that you got to keep in mind that yeah yeah if you're at a crossroads here because in a sense you know you already know it's like okay i know that i'm causing myself pain and that's making me cause others pain um in a sense i don't know life's a ride man you almost have to just like let go and just find out you get to see. It's like, if I do let go, what's going to happen? Maybe you won't be creative for like a few months, maybe a year, maybe a long time, maybe forever. But if in the long term, if it's something you really want to do without causing yourself pain, it will come back to you. And I'm not just saying that vaguely. Like in my own experience, I've had like a similar arc myself. Like, you know, like I had a, you know, similar to yourself, man. Like I, I've had long periods of like very identifying being an artist, being a musician, Follow Pyramid Mission. That's my hip hop <laughs> band on Instagram. At Pyramid Mission. At Pyramid Mission. <laughs> you know, shameless self promo in the middle of a deep, deep feels talk. But um, you know, like I, 
dude, I get it. I, I, I get it from personal experience. Um, but where I am right now, like I'm at a phase where it's like I've, I've let go and it did come back to me. And even if it didn't come back to me, that would have been just as okay. But now I'm just where I was before. Same motivation, but less... Spite. Yeah, less, less just crap. <laughs> just upsetting my upsetting my mind. You know what I mean? Like you can you can have the same level of drive as you have right now without the corruption. It's just that you don't you can't conceptualize that. And so to a certain extent, if I may recall our skydiving podcast, you kinda of just need to jump out of the plane, man, and see what happens. That's what I would advocate anyway. I mean that's easier to say than it is to do, because obviously I imagine hearing that you're like, dude, what the what the hell? I don't wanna jump out of a plane. I don't wanna I don't wanna let go. This is this is good, give me meaning. That's why it's tricky, but I, I, you know, I fundamentally believe that it's worth it, man. It's definitely worth it. You bring up a lot of points, and once again, I find myself agreeing with. I would say all of the points. I would just say that I think my love of art is so extreme and so strong that even if I did let go of these toxins, these this condescension, I really do think that I would return to it. I, you know, and I'm not saying that just to like better, just to feel good. I really do think this is a passion that I have in myself. Mm. And you know, as you were saying it, this is something that I knew intellectually, and this is why I got you on the podcast. But I think it clicked emotionally when I judge other other people, or not even when I, when anyone judges any other person, it's always a reflection of themselves and their own values. Mm. And I think for cultural reasons, social reasons, my personality reasons, context, you know, nature, nurture, which one is dominant or maybe both the dominant. I think there's a part of me that would be upset or if I was to say it more realistically, couldn't love myself if I wasn't achieving and pursuing certain things. I think there is that aspect in me and I guess I'm lucky I've escaped that because I'm pretty happy with myself I, I'm very happy with myself and I, and I don't have negative emotions towards myself but the thing is if I set up that dichotomy of you're either you either pursue your passions or you don't or you're a failure I think that leads my judgment to seep into other people mm. and before I throw it to you I just want to emphasize for the audience, my idea of success is not you become Jeff Bezos, not you earn a million dollars. It's really you find something that you love and you throw everything behind it or you pursue it recklessly. And that could be that could honestly mean you try to become the best at origami. I don't care. You become the best at doing squats. I don't care. Obviously, I have a nat natural affiliation with art and literature, but that's not the only aspect of success. For me, it's really will and application of will. That That's the only thing I really value. Mm. Um, and maybe, you know, if I was to deconstruct that, maybe I say that only to protect my own ego because I, I haven't earned a million dollars from writing, right? You know, if, we're, if we are going to be self-critical, maybe that is also me protecting myself. But that's how I feel. And, and, you know, and talking about this with you, I think I do recognize that. 
I do hold myself up to certain standards, and I'm glad I've met them, but I think there is a cost to elevating certain ideas. Hmm. Yeah, look, there's undeniably, yeah, there's definitely a cost. And in a sense, probably the fact that you're like in this position now, this is the other part about what, this is the other reason why I'd say it's not necessarily, I guess, skillful to judge yourself is that you've almost, you've needed to complete this project before your ego is actually able to like accept, all right, maybe this system can be optimized. You know what I mean? It's like, all right, right now, we've got a goal, high priority goal. Got to get this book done. Got to get everything on the table. Got to, you know, do the job. And until that's done, you can't, you know, sit here, destabilize your own system. It's like now is not the time to, to sink the ship and to dive into the, beth, uh, into, the, into the depths, right? But in a sense, now that you sort of, you know, you actually have got the stuff done, you pretty much, you know, you're, you're ready to go. Um, it's like you're actually in a position where you're able to accept it. And that to me is the testament of the fact that like people naturally move at their own pace. And to that extent, you need to naturally live your life and explore consciousness as it presents itself to you, you know? Um, So even when I do advocate, you know, the idea of taking the plunge and really exploring, all right, what what is it like if uh, Stanley Ching doesn't want to do writing, or what's it like if I if I don't if I let go of the idea of you know achieving these great goals? What happens naturally if I if I just allow myself to sit there in that void and just let it reverberate? What am I going to see? What's going to reveal itself to me? Even even though I would advocate that, I would also advocate you go there at your own pace naturally. But I think fundamentally your will is you know to, to to know what's going on in your life to to live a self-reflective life and that's that's cool man like with that in mind like you know what i mean you, you have to you, at a certain level you can have faith that you're doing what you want to do and what you need to do and that you're almost you can say if you want to call it the unconscious you want to call it the, the spiritual self however you prefer to conceptualize it there's a part of your consciousness which is sort of skillfully and intelligently giving you this information and the experience at the rate that you can handle it. Kind of like going to the gym, right? Like, you know, it's not smart to go to the gym and let's say your max squat is 100 and then you just squat 200. You're going to die. You're going to go to Snap City. You know, you don't do that. (laughs) Snap (laughs) City. (laughs) If your max squat's 100, you're like, oh, I squat 105 and I squat 110. 115 maybe you know what I mean like you can hey, what, what was that what's that name of that Korean what's that vaporwave town that we went to <laughs> digital media city Digi- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. the most misleading advertising I've ever experienced mm. in my life oh my god yeah this whole place called digital media city and we, we were convinced man we were like dude we just saw this place. We're in Korea, and we're like, "This is gonna be like vaporwave, man." There are pink buildings, <laughs> mist. There's a bloody, you know, bloody uh, future funk playing in the background. It's gonna be hectic. It'll be city pop. Um, and we just get there, and it's like literally, it's like all right, a whole bunch of like bloody tech stores. It's like 9 p.m. at night with bloody three bottles of soju in. So this place sucks, man. <laughs> you go home to the hostel and just feel like crap. <laughs> oh my god. 
What are we talking about again? Um, it was oh, good point. Um, I I think it was the idea of um forgiving myself. Oh yeah, like along those lines. Okay, okay, okay. Your experience naturally unraveling to you at the pace that it needs to. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I mean. Like you have to have faith that you can only move at a certain pace. Like in the same way, going to the gym, right? If your max squats a hundred, you know you're gonna squat one hundred and five. Or 110. You're not going to squat 300 and go to Snap City, right? So you don't want to do that. That's 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 stupid. So in saying that, I think just naturally thinking, all right, how can I explore this part of my consciousness? You know, and you don't need to push yourself. You don't do anything hasty because you're you're not trying to rock the boat. But it's just like, all right, if you feel an inclination to do something, that is your consciousness just figuring itself out and it's presenting itself to you. It's like, okay, now I've done the book. I don't need to write another book with the same mindset, you know, perhaps in the break between now and the next book in order to sort of come to a new place. You need to explore what it's like to not define yourself by your literary prowess, by your, or by achievement even more broadly or by your capabilities or whatever it may be. You know what I mean? Like, it's almost like it doesn't really matter what the thing is but I think it's worthwhile to hold space for yourself to not be that guy and just realize that, okay, deep within yourself, there is a part of you that just wants to take it easy and wants to, I mean, it's not like you're, I don't know, it's not like you're, you're mad at free spirit types, but in a sense, you kind of, you can, you can lose your connection to these free spirit types because they get lumped in with the people that choose to be lazy in the face of what they really want to do. And, and yeah, yeah, that's a part of you as well. Like, cause it's all part of you and all of this is just making your consciousness bigger and less walled off. And I think there's a quote that came to me that, uh, as you were speaking, which is the greatest thing the devil ever did was actually convince us that he was not alive. Mm. And I think taking this idea, the contrast is I've been able to weaponize this emotion to fuel me. To really fuel me to complete this task even when it was grueling mm. but there was a price and that's the devil trying to convince us that you know ambition is 100% great and, you know even as I say this I really feel myself clinging to this word ambition and really yeah, yeah. holding words like laziness in spite but I think ultimately and thankfully I've been able to recognize there is a tax there is an emotional and physical tax on myself for living a certain way. And, and I think the goal is, and maybe this is the best case scenario, you know, if I fail, I shouldn't judge myself for failing, you know, because if I judge myself for failing, then I think I'm at square one, square one. but I need to pursue my passions without such a double-edged sword which, yes, it's really effective against other people, or it's really effective against the abstract, but it can also cut myself. And if I am more accepting and less judgmental of myself, and if I don't write a book which, you know, if I write a book which I, which isn't, you know, on the level of Shakespeare or something like that, I don't know, I'm just throwing random names out there, I'm still happy with myself and I still think that 
I have a purpose or you know, like I'm, I'm happy with myself once I let I, once I adopt that feeling then I think I'll adopt that feeling to other people as well dude <laughs> yeah right on man <laughs> well said <laughs> no yeah I, I think that yeah like yeah it's as you work at this stuff within yourself it's going to naturally just influence and transform the way that you interface with you know I guess these people in the external world and going back to the idea of psychodrama as the natural sort of the story in your mind changes there's a different need for how the people in the external world are cast into that story and perhaps the less of a story there is, the less need there is to cast people into that into your own story in general. Mm. And they can just be whoever they are. Mm. You know, I want to be more like, if anyone's read Vagabond, I want to be more like Musashi. I want to learn from other people and not just have certain ideas, even if I think ambition is great. You know, this chat hasn't ended or hasn't changed my idea of ambition. I still think it's core and I still really, really, really appreciate it and... and gravitate towards it but you know what I guess I'm one person in 7 billion and I think intellectually I can understand that some other people have some different values and if I judge myself less then hopefully I can be more empathetic to other people and hopefully that can make me a more well-rounded person that's beautiful man hey man appreciate it thank you for jumping on Thank you for jumping on without knowing the topic. <laughs> <laughs> man, man, can you can you just take this chain, this ball and chain off my ankle, please, man? Give me give me give me some water, all right? Let me breathe some real air, all right? I'll be out of this cell, man. All right. Yeah, let's get some food. Let's get some food, man. <laughs> no, man, it's been it's been good. It's been good. Hey, man, appreciate it. Last thing I want to say. Yeah, brother. Tell me, tell me. Take it easy, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Safety Lost with Stanley Ching. If you enjoyed this, then please leave a rating or a comment. I hope you're leaving with a new idea and make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and other places that can be found in the description.